Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup, but he's driving. He laid out a plan and he laid it out. And you know, it, just as we've done in other departments, first thing we did was increase wages and, and entry level rates. You know, EMT went from 1504 to 1833. Paramedic went from 1912 to 2532. Storekeepers from 1299 to 1522. EMT relief from 1504 to 2024. Paramedic relief 1919 to 2741. Those are significant pay increases. They are significant pay increases. This is Wes Moreno, the Escambi County Administrator, talking with Commissioner Jeff Bergosh and his coffee with the commissioner yesterday about the EMS stuff that we've been talking about extensively uh, here in the last few days. Of course, we talked to Chad Stimmel. He's the president of the union yesterday, and he laid out a variety of the concerns that they have about Chief Torcell and Deputy Chief Stevens. And D- David Torcell, the chief, was on that coffee with the commissioner, and he talked uh, quite a bit. Um <laughs> I watched this whole thing yesterday with Wes and Jeff and uh, David, and of course Eric Gilmore was also there. He's always it's it's all with Jeff and Wes and Eric, um, and then you know there's like a rotating fourth person, whoever it happens to be. And I wanted to be reassured. I get, I don't know. You know, working hard to figure out like who's got the right of it in this whole conversation is that's always the challenge. And you know. I even said when the letter came out, like, the letter seemed over the top. Well, then I talked to not just Chad Stimmel, but I talked to some other people as well, and I thought, well, maybe the letter's not so far off target. Maybe we really do have a, you know, a problem with the chief, who I don't know particularly well as, you know, trying to decide. I still don't know if I have um, met the man or interviewed the man before. I just can't remember, and I wish I could. Um, But then I listened to him yesterday, and... I don't know. It, it just it didn't reassure me. It seemed like a lot of this was um we're just going to pretend that there's no problem here. And one of the things that concerned me the most was that, you know, Chad told us, the president told us that nobody had followed up with them after the letter, hadn't followed up with them after specifically West told us, told me that he was going to go and talk to people over there. Well, then I was listening to Wes talk about that yesterday, and he did, okay? He did go over there, um, but in the process of going over there and talking to people, I, I don't I don't know who he talked to, and that might be part of the issue is, you know, who did he actually spend time with? Because there are four shifts on EMS, A, B, C, and D, and D shift does not have very many people in the union, for whatever reason, historically, and in case you understand, like they work 12-hour shifts, okay, so A and B don't mingle very much. There, those That'd be like your Monday shift, and then they'd work on Tuesday, and then they'd be off a day, and then they'd be off another day while the B and, while C and D work. And so it's really kind of like there's four staffs, if you want to think of it that way, for EMS. 
depending on which shift they're on. Kind of like for fire, you have three in Escambia County because um, they were 24 hours, and there's three of them. So if you talk to the D shift last Friday, you know, maybe those are people who don't share the same concerns or haven't experienced the same concerns. But did you talk to like B shift, which is the shift that the president is on and several of the union leaders are on? Well, you might get completely different, you know, answers. I don't know, but that's certainly possible. So how can they both be true? Well, I I think that might be what it is. Okay. But the kind of the, I don't know, that attitude that I heard, it didn't reassure me a lot about whether they were serious about hearing the complaints from the people who were complaining. And by the way, one of the, um, you know, one of the ongoing questions is, well, how many people were involved in the vote? You know, the vote of no confidence in Chief Torcell was 99% yes. And this number of 15 or 16 or 17 has been thrown around a lot. And Jeff Bergash continued to throw this around yesterday. But I asked them specifically, I said, well, okay, there was obviously a vote. Give us the vote tally. Let us know. I've heard from a couple different sources that it was 17 people total in the room. The vote was the vote was called to send a no confidence letter about you. And that one of the one of the men stepped up and said, I'm not going to be a part of this and said no. And 16 voted for it. But don't we have 128 billets in EMS? Don't we have 64 paramedics and 64 EMTs? 16 people is not 99%. Okay, so Jeff repeatedly likes to say how he gets to both sides. Well, so your source of information about the vote was what? Two rumors that you heard? Because I heard those rumors too. But you know what I did is I called the president. <laughs> I said, hey, something I didn't ask you about in the interview this morning, this is yesterday, how many people voted? And he's like, well, there's a couple of different facts here. One is that the meeting itself where they had the vote was, um, you know, <laughs> it was not what they were saying. It was 35 people were in that meeting. I said, okay, well, how many of them voted to uh, have no confidence? He said, 34. There was one no vote. I said, okay, well, 34 to 1 is a lot different than 17 people in a room. And I said, did anybody get up? Did anybody object? Did anybody leave? He's like, no, they just voted no. (laughs) I said, okay. And I said, well, but there's like 120-ish employees. How many are in the union? And he said, well, that's more like 70, 75, something like that, because we're, you know, we've actually been increasing ever since the letter came out. People are more signing up for the union. I said, OK, well, how many of those, you know, OK? And, I said, and he said, well, we sent out an electronic because after the meeting with 35 people where only one voted no, we sent out a letter, you know, asking other people that same day by, you know, email, basically, you want to vote in this. And, you know, the answers keep trickling in a little bit, but basically out of the 60 to 65 that they had gotten back, it was still just the one no. So that actually is 99%. I mean, 98.5%, okay? That's, that number is accurate. That's one person who voted no. Uh, they said one abstention um, also is what had been said in the commissioner meeting. So it's not 17, it's not 16, it's not some tiny little portion. That's almost everybody in the union voting to no confidence the chief. You can't just ignore that, okay? And, you know, the tone certainly from Wes, who is a friend and is going to have on the show this morning, okay, but the tone seemed to be pretty dismissive of these concerns. What's not going to happen is we're not going to go backwards. 
not in EMS, not in public works, or any other department. We will not go backwards. The tail will not wag the dog. We yep. cannot. Have, we cannot have that. Nope. So West, we, appreciate. It. I appreciate. That's that. where I'm at with it, and I'll let I'll let Eric and Dave. They they, they can tell the real story, the true story, and we'll we'll move on. No, I, I appreciate that. Kind of pretty clearly implying that he thinks that the union is lying and exaggerating, which is what Jeff said too. You know, it's very easy uh, to go out and try and damage someone's reputation. It's very easy to tell a lie. It's very easy to say things that are vague, inconsistent. Um, maybe, you know, some, there is some truth to some issues and then to magnify them and amplify them for effect. So he's saying, again, without having contacted the union himself directly, which he certainly can pick up the phone as a commissioner and do that. OK, um, I mean, it really is more Eric Gilmore and Wes Moreno's purview to do that because the board hires the administrator and then the administrator hires everybody else with consent from the board for director levels. But, you know, if Jeff really wants to get to the bottom of both sides and really hear the issues, he would do what I did, which is call the other side and talk to them, you know, and follow up. Well, here's what they say. What do you say to that? You know, OK. Um, but instead of that, he says the one thing when you when you have a. a, a a person who's performing and a person who's holding uh, his employees under him accountable, that person will have complaints filed. <laughs> I saw it when I was on the school Absolutely. principals that had the best running schools. I'd have teachers calling me and this and that and the other thing. I've seen it at the base. Um, and I've obviously seen it within the county in other departments. I won't mention people constantly, you know, lobbing grenades. And it's typically, frankly, uh, oftentimes I've found in my experience, it's people who are poor performers and they're being held accountable and they don't like it. So now the, let's say 64 out of 65. So now the 64 people who vote no confidence are all low performers. And that's the reason that they did this is because, you know, they just, they just don't like to be challenged to do right and to do well. And, you know, they're getting uh, disciplined or whatever, and they just don't like it. They're chafing under the, you know, superior leadership of the chief. I mean, that's, again, that's a pretty broad assumption about more than half of the people who work in EMS and to just say that as if that's the dismissal, you know, who's jumping to conclusions now? Who's engaging in broad-based, unsubstantiated allegations and character assassination now? I mean, again, it's, it's just a, it's a weird response, you know, it's, and I, I get it, you know, I, I, I get that, you know, Wes has got a pretty big group of people to oversee. And it's hard to know the truth of some of these things and you want to be able to trust your, your directors, right? And I, I get that even Commissioner Bergash. It's, it's not pleasant to entertain the possibility that you really have some major problems in a department that are caused either in part or largely because of a particular person who's in leadership that you hired or approved the hire of. You know, I get that that's not something that anybody in his position would be eager to embrace. I'm not eager to embrace it. I don't I don't feel comfortable about this. I don't like going on the radio and having to talk about whether one of the major departments in the county is run by somebody who shouldn't be running it or not. I That's not comfortable. But circle the wagons and shoot the informers, <laughs> you know, it's... Or or blame in general the people who are raising complaints as if it's their fault for being low performers and the things that they're saying are exaggerations and there's really nothing to it. 
I mean, that's weird. Now, even David Torcell, you know, they kind of like brushing it off as, well, every institution that's got a lot of employees is going to have problems. There's something you don't agree with. If there's things that you don't like, well, in some cases, hey, we all have our marching orders. That's a job. I, I, would, I would encourage you to find any employee that is 100% happy with the way everything's going because there's always things we can make better. And I mean, there is always going to be problems with a large dynamic organization. There always is. There will absolutely. always be. The question to ask absolutely. is, are we moving forward? Are we doing things right? Are we, are we operating by the book? Are we following policy? You know, are we, are we modernizing our equipment? I know we are. Have we raised pay to be competitive? I know we did. I mean, we're doing these things, right? Okay. But are the employees actually happy? <laughs> right? Like, that's also one of those key questions you ask. Are the people who work for you that do this basic first responder service for the county, are they happy? And if they're not, why not? Those are also important questions to ask. And they talked a lot about turnover rates, you know, saying that over the course of the last nine years, the average turnover rate is 38 per year. That, um, And if you do the math on that, if there's been 100 in the last, you know, couple of years, then we're higher than the average, but maybe not by an enormous amount. Um, when Tarcel was talking about this, he says, look, I, you know, I inherited a really ugly situation at EMS and he's right. There've been, you know, what, six chiefs since 2015. It's not been good for a long time. So think about, you know, and I'm going to affectionately say the dumpster fire that I inherited when I walked through the door where there's just all kinds of chaos. We had a mass exodus that was going on in EMS that I inherited walking through the door. There were 20 resignations, the first portion of 2021 prior to me and 38 from the day I walked in the door until that December. Right. That's bad. I mean, it's bad before. It's also bad after. And the question is, you know, if I do the math, it looks like about a 50% increase in per year people leaving the service after he's the chief. Well, that's not like everybody, but that's higher by a lot. And why is that the case? So again, um, I found this presentation yesterday by Commissioner Bragosh and David Torcell and Eric Gilmore. Um, I thought important things were said that add context to the conversation. But it felt to me like a circle the wagons whitewash and let's attack everybody who is criticizing us instead of really being motivated to look at the problem. Now, Wes said that he's going to go back to EMS this Friday which would be, I think, a different, which would be a different shift, A or B shift. And if people know he's coming, maybe they would prepare to be available to talk to him, even people who might come in on their day off or something like that, and maybe he gets a different story. Look, I've, I've known Eric and Wes a long time. Uh, I trust them both. I think they're both good actors. I think, in not, not that they, like, put on a role. I mean, like, like they're good people, you know, like, like these bad actors are dangerous people and good actors are, you know, helpful people. Um, and you know, I think they're both going to work hard to make sure that the employees are happy because I think they really believe that, you know, they both grew up in the organization doing different things and they care about people and they want to see the county residents happy and they don't want to see problems. And I, I get when you, if you get a particular slice of information and it doesn't seem to justify the complaints that are being made, it's easy to then dismiss the complaints. I get all of that. It's human nature. So I'm going to talk to Wes this morning about this, and I will tell you, even I only have, you know, some information. I don't have a full picture. 
Uh, but the full picture I have is I'm very concerned. And the full picture, or the, the, the picture anyway, that um, Eric and Wes seem to have is that they're not as concerned. And where do we go from here? Because the union has drawn a line in the sand and says, you know, no confidence. And if no action is taken, what then? You know, how do you resolve this? I mean, do they leave? Do a lot of them leave? I'm sure they don't want to. Nobody wants to up and quit a job that they've done for a long time, but that may be the future here. I don't know. 526 on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. What was your reaction to what you heard? Certainly, I didn't play all of it, but I tried to play as much of it as I could. Um, you know, what do you hear when you hear these comments? You know, what's the tone? What's the attitude? What's the kind of willingness or not to solve it that you hear? 437-1620. I'm Andrew McKay. Hi, this is Earl Ron. At New South Window, we bring the factory to you. Our windows and doors are made with quality in mind, and your products and installation are backed by our lifetime warranty. That's because New South Window knows the importance of single source accountability. We believe in removing the middleman so you get more for your money. This is real factory direct. One company, one call, guaranteed for life. Get New South Proud. For a limited time only, when you buy more, you can save more. Visit NewSouthWindow.com to learn more. Are you a fan of all things Florida? Then the Fresh from Florida Club should be on your menu. Search and save your favorite recipes, create custom menus, and get all your cooking questions answered by me, Florida's culinary ambassador, Chef Justin, for free. It's easy to sign up, and best of all, you'll be supporting Florida's farmers, ranchers, and fishermen. Join today at FreshFromFlorida.com. A message from the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this station. It's game day at Jim's house, and the spread is impressive. Mike's already done some damage with the hot wings, and now he's dropping back and going deep for another slice of pizza. I sure hope he brought the Pepto. Mike knows the Pepto-Bismol provides fast, five-symptom relief from unexpected stomach upsets. He's no rookie. (laughs) The way he's throwing back those nachos, he's the GOAT. Be ready for game day with Pepto-Bismol. When you have nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. Use as directed. Keep out of reach of children. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wrap up your day with all of the national, state, local sports and entertainment news with Pensacola right now with Joe and Austin on News Radio 923. Welcome back now. Here. She's na 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 notorious. Five twenty nine here on News Radio ninety two three. I'm Andrew McKay, and Steve Taylor's in the newsroom with our headlines. Steve. Well, President Biden's commented on the shooting of the Kansas City Chiefs parade yesterday, saying the events should quote move us, shock us, and shame us into acting. One person is dead and twenty two people injured after the shooting. Here's something scary: warnings about a serious national security threat are coming from the House Intelligence Committee. Various reports say the threat is related to emerging Russian space technology. Could be their hyper. Sonic missiles or nuclear anti-satellite system in space? 
Don't know that yet, but it kind of reminds me of how it was back in October 57. I was nine years old when they launched Sputnik, and the U.S. found itself way behind uh, in missile and space technology then. Uh, are we in the same uh, space? I don't know. Yeah, it's scary to think about. And, you know, Jake Sullivan's answer yesterday to one of the reporters who asked him, well, can you assure the American people that there's no imminent threat that they need to be concerned about? And he's like, I can't say that. <laughs> I can never say that. <laughs> Better go back to duck and cover. Exactly. You never know. Uh, speaking of that, Steve, thanks so much for the update. Speaking of that, I, I, every once in a while I see the little picture pop up on my Facebook feed that's got a pic, an old school, like a desk that you would have the chairs attached to the desk on it, and they say, all right, uh, impromptu fallout shelters available for sale. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember those days and, you know, all of the things that you drilled for as a kid. And go go sit in the hall with your back against the wall for the tornado that's coming. At least that was in the Midwest that we did. Fox News, MCJ Papa, one person is dead, a local beloved radio station DJ, more than 20 others injured, including... 11 kids, nine of which suffered gunshot wounds, a mass shooting during the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade. KC Police Chief Stacy Graves. When it happened, we all turned to start running, and I thought that they were right behind me. And when I seen that they weren't behind me and I turned around and I saw her laying down, I was scared. Well, that was man at the prey. Now, the police chief said three people are in custody. At least one weapon has been recovered by police. They did not give any motive or reveal any of their identities. A special counsel, Jack Smith, urges the U.S. Supreme Court to turn down former President Trump's bid to delay his election interference trial. America is listening to Fox News. Good morning. It's 531, 49 degrees and partly cloudy. I'm Steve Taylor for News Radio Pensacola. Two days after District 5, Commissioner Stephen Barry promised action to complaints that North End ambulances are oftentimes missing in action. Another county official is saying the data doesn't match the narrative. I spent three hours yesterday morning in the Sam Sarah software looking at tracks, looking at GPS coordinates, dates, times, and you know, I wasn't trying to work against anybody, but the facts are what the facts are. And the narrative that was being told at the town hall did not prove out to be what the software rep- represents. That's from County Administrator Wes Moreno. During Barry's town hall on Monday night, residents of Molino, Century, and Walnut Hill say EMS crews often pulled out of their service area to respond to calls in the much more populated South End, leading to substantial wait times. Two people have been arrested in connection with recent automobile thefts, according to the Pensacola Police Department. Now the police say they're looking for a third suspect. Pensacola police officers arrested 25-year-old Detravius Ontario Morell, who's listed as homeless on the Escambia jail log, and also 24-year-old Keisha Lachey Wilson of Pensacola in connection with several auto thefts in the area. According to the press release from the Pensacola Police Department, DeTravius uh, Morrell has been charged with four counts of grand theft of a motor vehicle, and Wilson's been charged with one count of grand theft of a motor vehicle. Police say they're still looking for 28-year-old DeAndre Morrell and have two active warrants for his arrest. After labeling their first offer as not serious, Escambia County Commissioner Jeff Prakash says Precision Capital has sent a revised purchase order for the OLFA property in Beulah. It's for $21 million for the 290 acres and includes a due diligence period of six months and would agree to the design aspects of the approved master plan. There's still some issues with it. None of the money appears to go hard. It's non-refundable. It's not a, 
I mean, there's some issues that would have to still be revised on this. Uh, it was uh, heartening to see them, you know, listen. And the young men uh, who were representing that company uh, called me multiple times. And, you know, I just I, I told them, I said, that, you know, the jumping off point is the uh, Beulah Town Center LLC offer. Go back and retool it. And they did. That offer comes after the county agreed to enter negotiations with Beulah Town Center LLC. Because says until there's a signed contract, it's never too late to offer. And he's expecting a third offer in the coming days. Let's check the forecast from Channel 3. This is meteorologist Brooke Richardson with your first morning weather update. We will have a beautiful sunny day today with mostly sunny skies. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping into the 40s. As you go into Friday, mostly cloudy skies with a high near 64. 20% chance of rain by Friday evening. Temperatures Friday night near 51 degrees. Rain chances through Saturday. Showers likely with a high near 57. And Saturday night, temperatures dropping near 38. Stay connected to the Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson for the First Morning Weather Center. Thanks, Brooke. Right now, 49 degrees in Pensacola, 48 in Gulf Breeze, and 45 in Milton at 535. The next news is at 6, breaking news anytime. I'm Steve Taylor for News Radio Pensacola. Informative, local, dependable. Are you ready for a triple dose of wit, insight, and laughter? Tune in to News Radio Pensacola for the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins show from 11 to 2. Your daily dose of engaging conversation and hilarious banter. Join Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins as they tackle the biggest news stories, pop culture moments, and everything in between. They'll keep you entertained, informed, and laughing out loud from start to finish. Don't miss a minute of the fun. Tune in to the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins show, 11 till 2 on News Radio Pensacola. The Port of Pensacola is more than just a name. It's a powerhouse of economic opportunities, a strategic location that sparks growth and prosperity, contributing significantly to the local and regional economy with 23 incredible businesses that call this port home. Big names like CMEX Materials, GE Wind Energy, and soon the prestigious American Magic Sailing Team. Since 1754, the Port of Pensacola has been the driving force behind Northwest Florida's economic success. Explore more at portofpensacola.com. Hobbies can be fun and expensive. How about a hobby that's fun and could make you money? Find out this morning at 10 with Emerald Coast Coins. Hear about precious metals and metal detectors as a great hobby. For nearly 20 years, Emerald Coast Coins has been one of the top-rated businesses in Northwest Florida to buy and sell gold, silver, and the best metal detectors to find treasure. Get more information this morning on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. It's News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, AM 1620, the website, the app, or your smart device. It's news on your terms. Just a, a quick estimated uh, install completion date for red light cameras is July 1st. Um, so we've, uh, we've heard back from our vendor on that. And uh, again, bear with us on, you know, something that's still several months away could change. I'll continue to update you guys. But, uh, but we are penciling in July 1 as the 
red light camera uh, update. Nope, that's a that's a carved in stone firm commitment that it'll absolutely roll out on July first. No ifs, ands, buts, commas, tittles, jots, or anything else about it. Uh, you heard the mayor then. <laughs> no, obviously. Um, but yeah, the um, the idea is that starting on July first, we'd have red light cameras active. Joining us yesterday, we had Mayor DC Reeves. We talked about a bunch of stuff with him. Mr. Mayor, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Absolutely. Uh, so before we get started, I just want to let you know that uh, I am not a city resident and I do not own a business in the city of Pensacola. OK, for the record. <laughs> yeah. OK, good. Thank you. <laughs> this, I, this, it's a super inside joke and I got council members are dying right now at home. <laughs> so All right. there in the meeting on Thursday, this was the repeated refrain as the people who got up to speak did not understand what Casey Jones had meant by asking people to state that one way or the other. And anyway, I just thought I'd start there just for no reason whatsoever. Um, <laughs> red, red light cameras, um, July 1st. And what do you want people to know that we haven't already said, or even if we have already said it, you want to say it again? Yeah, look, I mean, not much more to know. July 1st is the uh, is slated uh, date. Uh, for that, obviously, there's those are vendor uh, expectations. Some of that out of our control in terms of timing, equipment, labor, and that kind of thing to get them up. So, uh, but that is the preliminary date there sh- that we are shooting for. And just a couple quick reminders because the, the really the only misperceptions I get are, uh, you know, once every couple weeks I'll get an email saying you're shortening red light. This is what they did in another city. So someone will have read about something that ha- happened in another city and then automatically presume that that's what's happening here. Uh, with, and I mean, just on the logistical side of it, um, we put an FAQ up a couple months ago. Um, I mean, it still can be found. It's Googleable, Um, and I know it's on our website, uh, somewhere, uh, we can get a link to you, but, uh, ultimately we've, we've kind of myth busted a lot of these things, um, that no, we're not shortening yellow lights. No, we're not following you home to your house on camera. No, we're not doing those things. And my question ultimately is always this, uh, someone will oppose it and, Andrew, you probably heard me say this three times on here is I'll typically write back and say, are you planning on running red lights in 2024? Uh, because, right. you know, that, that takes this conversation two different ways. Because if you're not, then what you're asking me is, is moot. If you are, uh, then we have to have a bigger conversation about why it's so important for our economic development to run red lights. You know, you know, it, I, I am um, yeah. I am glad you said that they're not following you home because the one thing I had heard was that you had an auto loader of um, iPod Air, you know, Air Tags that you were going to be shooting at cars as they went through Correct. the red lights and tracking them all the way right. home. So I, I'm glad that you dispelled that uh, very valid rumor proposal. Yeah, that's the second craziest <laughs> proposal I've heard so far. So uh, anyway, um, well, but, okay, so, yeah, that, so five intersections, July, five intersections, July one, um, and, and and you know, I like to remind everybody. I've said this from the beginning. This is a pilot. I'm not promising what happens, Mm -hmm. and we're going to give this a year or so. We may move intersections. We may lower them. We may increase them. Uh, That's what a pilot means. Is we're 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 not going to every red light in the city. We're going to see how this works and make sure it makes sense for us. uh, I'm sure there's going to be a process improvement for us too, right? I mean, we're going to learn something. So, uh, but that's how you have to approach things like this. Is before you know, uh, is not as something that's permanent or indefinite, but uh, more as. Uh, that we're learning on the job as well. Absolutely. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the parking thing because we haven't had a chance to talk much about it in terms of increasing the penalty if people do not pay and then they get a ticket, uh, if they don't properly use the system and then they get a parking ticket. I was floored by the data that Lisa Deese gave saying, and forgive me if I get the numbers wrong, but that the revenue we made off of tickets last year was in the three hundred dollars to $400,000 range 
but the amount of money we spent on enforcing and collecting that money was well over 600000 meaning that we're losing money every time somebody pays a parking ticket to about a 150% ratio. Is That seems... That's crazy, <laughs> but that is that's why you raise well, the penalty, right? Things, sure, there's a couple things you have to understand. If you if you eventually raise rates, or let's say there's a scenario that a private lot, you know, we're we're setting up that where the city could do enforcement in private lots and write tickets, um, which I think would be, uh, you know, certainly something we would welcome if, if we're approached uh, about that. Well, if they're charging four and five dollars an hour, a ten dollar ticket is not going to really do much good, right. as an example. Or if we go to a dollar an hour, just let's talk about city spaces. If we go to a dollar an hour, I mean, you know, you could stay in a parking space for 17 or 18 hours of chargeable time. A ten dollar ticket's not going to do much good. So, um, so naturally, when th- those increase, what's the goal here? And I think you, you and Lisa's data, uh, you sharing it personifies it, which is our goal is not to write tickets. Right. You know, people, I, I get it when you, you get one and get frustrated. And I think the data explains that, right? I mean, it costs us more money to chase down ticket or ticket revenue than, than, than it, I mean, the operation to do that is more expensive than the revenue that comes in, right? right? So when you understand that, why do you charge? Well, you charge because if you didn't, no one would ever pay the right. dollar an hour. So it's got the, the, the penalty of which you do not. Uh, pay the dollar an hour has to match or, or, or be congruent to, uh, you know, what the, the, the dollar, you know, the, the fine of not paying it. And so naturally, we see prices going up. Um, in, in, again, we're trying to be fair. I think it's twenty. It's twenty five dollars for the first two tickets. Uh, instead of going ten, twenty, forty, we're doing twenty five, twenty five, fifty. So I mean, it's you know, you're not going to get into to uh, to a three digit number until you've had significant issues over a short period of time with not paying for. Uh, your parking. So, um, so, you know, there's a, there's a couple different reasons we're approaching that Andrew, but it's, uh, but you know, it's focused on for this whole process to work. All of these things need to fit well together. Right. Yeah. No, I, no, I see that. Uh, and I did not, I had not understood all of that when I first read the ordinance about raising the fine. I'm like, Oh, but then when Lisa and you explain it, like, Oh, that does make sense. Mr. Mayor, you know, one of the things that you talked about in your press conference is we're getting really close on American magic. Where are we at? Yeah, so um, I mean, we're we're literally uh, hour by hour of getting uh, a lease completed uh, with American Magic. Obviously, there's there's two big parts to this, uh, the execution of this. One is, of course, having this agreement, um, and they've been great the entire time. We've we've been very aligned on that. And of course, second is we got to build the thing, right? So um, we continue to work on that. Uh, we've actually heard some good news recently that we may get a little additional funding from uh, Governor DeSantis, who's been an integral part of, of helping make this happen uh, with some initial funding. We may be getting a little bit more as uh, as we try to, to manage a delta between you know funding and, and construction, which is pretty much every construction project these days. Um, but uh, but we'll get there. Um, so that's really the second part. But the first exciting part is uh, uh, we hope to have in hand on Friday and, and uh, the ability to go to council next week to get approved. Uh, a 10-year lease with a 10-year option with American Magic to make uh, Fort of Pensacola their permanent headquarters. So, uh, so a huge step for us, huge step for our community, uh, and for economic development, and for so many other things uh, that will be great to say that we're the the sailing home of the United States of America. We had a um, the the lengthiest portion of the meeting on Thursday was uh, the lot of a very large number of members of the public who showed up to protest the demolition of the Malcolm Young Gym, which of course was voted on six to one. 
I was not surprised that people showed up. Um, certain of them represent a certain political viewpoint in this city, which I think is well outside of the mainstream, the, the Communist Party, basically. Um, and so I take yeah, a lot of what yeah. they say with a grain of salt. It's not that they're not entitled to their opinion. It's just that they don't represent, the, you know, very many people. Um, but there were some others who were very much, you know, against us. In the end, city council vote six to one. And, um, you know, several people who had had serious questions about this, Jen Brayer, Jared Moore, uh, voted for the demolition and and gave their reasons, which I thought was a very adult decision of the lesser of two evils and what makes sense long term for the city and all that. What surprised me was Charles Bear and really turning this into a very, you know, the city's not doing its job. The city's not taking care of people. This doesn't make any sense. He, he admitted that he felt embarrassed not having done more about this when he was in office before. But were you surprised by his, I don't know, tone or comments in that vote? Um. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the nice part is the facts prevailed in this case. That that in this particular event, the facts prevailed. The facts were there's no there is no financial logic whatsoever to support uh, this building. And because one organization sees a building that they don't currently that that is not theirs and that they have a desire to want that building, doesn't now make that logical. So, uh, you know, you heard there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion about it. Absolutely. I, look, I, I said many times I played basketball there growing up. Um, there's a lot of emotion about it. But just the, the best example was there were a lot of people that came, came and spoke and said, hey, uh, you know, we shouldn't take this away from the children. Well, I hate to break it to you, but we leased this building to one company to one school four years ago. So, you know, the question I didn't ask that I really probably should have asked that I thought about after was to everyone in the room is to say, if we spend $3 million on this building, but we then immediately leased it back to the rightful leaseholder, right? The only reason they're out is because it was unsafe for children to be in the building. Right. If Would that be a good use of taxpayer money? Because if <laughs> the point. answer is no, then you see the dilemma. I mean, then why, why are they kicked out? Why would they not get right of first refusal to go back in the building after we spend $3 million? So is it important for the community? Or is it important for, for one group in the community to get? And that's, the I, I think, where we had a lot of emotion and a lot of misperception that was misguided. So I, I'm appreciative of, of most of the council uh, certainly supporting uh, the idea that if we're going to spend $3 million on something, let's have something that's going to last here. I mean, let's, let's, let's spend it in a more prudent way on another gymnasium if that's what we want to do. You know, if that's what the council comes back and says, we need more dim space then let's go work on gym space. That doesn't make this a good idea. And, 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 so, I, and I appreciated um, a lot yeah. of those comments about things like money for the Fricker Center, money for the other one, and, and also possible. And the general tone, which we know, like, we have been buying and building things that we cannot maintain and cannot afford to maintain, so let's think Correct. long-term about this. Yes, gyms lead to programs which benefit children, particularly at-risk children and minorities and, and lower income, and that's very important to our community. So how to solve that problem? Well, that's the challenge we have. I, you know, So, I mean, it's, it's much more than just we're attached to this gym and, as you said, the particular problems right. of, of restoring that particular facility. We always like to end with the, um, uh, with the lightning round, I ask you the, uh, the, the quick question, so to speak. First question, on a TV show, name a character that really, really annoys you irritates you and you wish didn't exist well you know i don't have a particular character but um anytime i walk into a room with the uh, any of the housewives shows on i'm just immediately just generally, uh, <laughs> so that's a whole genre know. okay all right fair I'm enough i did not know any names offhand <laughs> i got gotcha. you i walk i walk through the room fast enough 
Um, who would you like to see perform a Super Bowl halftime show, even if it's somebody you already have? But is there anybody that comes to mind as a who you'd like to see perform? Oh, I mean, this is topical because you see the meme out all the time. I think we need a Creed reunion uh, Super Bowl. A Creed uh, reunion? After the, uh, <laughs> is that what you said, Creed? Yeah, I mean, bring it back. It, it was, it, yeah, the Dallas Cowboys tucked in jersey. Uh, Scott Stat, uh, you know, I, I think we got to do it again. <laughs> nice. Yes. You made Jake die over here. That's oh, good. Man, I, nice callback. I'm, I'm surprised that that's the angle you look at this from. It's <laughs> well, he like, was a sports oh. reporter for a long time, oh, okay. so he was immersed well, in the that fashion, world. The fashion aspect. Of Our it. La- last one for the mayor. Uh, yesterday was National Pancake Day. Uh, what is the right way to eat pancakes? Um, I, I'm a pretty uh, classic guy. I just uh, the biggest one as you can get not too much syrup it can't be like drowning bogged down yeah. uh you know it's just a just a gentle amount all right all right and i said last one but i do have one more just because it's relevant it is valentine's day today uh and uh dare i ask do you have any special plans for uh your sweetie uh well uh my daughter and i uh my girlfriend a little under the weather weather so she may uh be uh hanging out at the house with uh dayquil but um i will tell you uh this will be my fourth year in a row at waffle house Oh, nice. Is, Kids my, love Waffle House, yeah, man. Nice. That's that's great. Yeah, we go find the Valentine's Day Waffle House that's decorated, and uh, it's become our thing. Waffle House is a surprisingly so, uh, no pancakes, popular Valentine's Day destination. It hmm. really is. Well done. All right. Uh, Mayor D.C. Yeah. Reeves, City of Pensacola, sir, thanks, as always, for the time. We look forward to uh, the meetings next week uh, or the, um, uh, the, inter- the press conference next week and, of course, talking to you next Wednesday. Thank you so much, sir. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Absolutely. 550 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. If you have an import that you paid a little bit of extra money to get, then you don't have to pay extra money to service it. You might think you do because you got to go to the dealership. They're the only ones who know how to work on those cars. They don't. Uh, you can go to Bobby Likas Auto Service right here on Davis Highway. That's a Beamer, a Porsche, a Mercedes, a Jaguar, a Genesis, a Lexus. They work on these vehicles all the time. Uh, they work on American vehicles too, no problem. Okay, uh, gas engines, diesel engines. Again, you might think that's a specialty item. You got to go to the dealership. You don't. They work on those. The website is called CarClinicService.com. You can go get more information about them if you want. But you hear in the name the philosophy, which is let's see you for the preventative maintenance and let's prevent some stuff. Let's do the small stuff, the routine stuff, and prevent the big stuff. Like, that's the idea. Bring it to us healthy so you don't have to bring it to us broken. Uh, Bobby Likas Auto Service right here on Davis Highway. Oh, and by the way, if you're in the vicinity, I don't know if they're still out there. It's been about 45 minutes since we came in. Uh, But in the vicinity of University Mall, Creighton, Davis, uh, if you're going around the perimeter around the JCPenney or the back way around um, uh, Plantation Road, when uh, about 45 minutes ago, we, we, there were like seven or eight Escambia County Sheriff's Office vehicles in the vicinity. And they were kind of at weird places, too, kind of like at the checkpoints going out of the area as well. Be, I'm assuming keeping an eye out because apparently they were um, had located a stolen vehicle uh, behind the like U-Haul area. So uh, just kind of heads up if you're headed to this area. You might, might encounter some police presence. You know, it's nothing to be too concerned about. You know, just go ahead and drive around them. But uh, that is something that was going on here near the mall earlier this morning. 5.52 on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. Hi, I'm Billy Anderson with Anderson Subaru in Pensacola. Your road to adventure starts with the 2024 Subaru Outback and the 2024 Subaru Forester. Both come standard with symmetrical all-wheel drive for confidence along the way. The Subaru Outback, according to Kelly Blue Book, is one of the best family cars of 2023. And according to Auto Trader and my good friend Max here... (laughs) 
The Subaru Forester is one of the 2023 best cars for dog lovers. For information on all the awards and accolades from Kelly Blue Book and Auto Trader on the Subaru brand, the Subaru Outback, and the Subaru Forester, visit kellybluebookkbb.com and autotrader.com. Whether you're a Forester family or an Outback family, your road to adventure starts in a Subaru from Anderson Subaru. Go where love takes you. Anderson Subaru, Highway 29, just north of Car City, Pensacola, online at andersonsubaru.com. Anderson's got a Subaru for you. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Auto Trader is a registered trademark and used with permission. Why is Bray Jewelers the best place to buy an engagement ring? Come in and see our selection. I promise you, we have more diamond engagement rings than you'll see anywhere in the panhandle of Florida. But it's what you do for people that they don't expect that they remember. The little things that we do, we want to deliver special experiences for you at Beret. We love doing what we do and we love making people happy. We want every person that walks into the store to feel like you're part of our family. I want everybody to have an amazing experience at Beret Jewelers. Join Stephen Schmidt, Marine Service Technology Instructor at Georgetown Technical College on the Pensacola Expert Panel tomorrow at 10 a.m. Key Marine Center is sponsoring the show. When Key Marine needs to hire Marine Service Technicians, they hire students from Georgetown Technical College. It's a dream team, so join them tomorrow at 10 a.m. on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. You know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair of Swan Capital, Saturdays at 1, to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do all the things you've dreamt about doing in retirement. Don't miss What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair, Saturdays at 1. Firm offers insurance services, advisory services offered through Swan Capital, LLC. This is Tort Talk with personal injury lawyer Terrence A. Gross. Hi, this is Terrence A. Gross. In 1986, the Florida Bar limited personal injury contingency fees through trial to 40%. At that time, I thought that was too high. I've now practiced personal injury law in Northwest Florida for over 40 years, and I'm proud to say I've never charged a client 40%. Tort Talk is brought to you by Terrence A. Gross. Call 434-3333 or check them out at grossandschuster.com. Start your mornings off informed with all things Pensacola on the Pensacola Morning News with Andrew McKay on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. I said, put the bunny back in the box. Good morning, 555 here on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. It's a Pensacola Morning News. Steve Taylor's in the newsroom this morning with our headlines. Steve? Well, good morning. Lawyers for former President Donald Trump will be in court in both New York and Atlanta today. Trump's expected to appear in a Manhattan courtroom this morning regarding allegations he falsified business records of hush money payments to an adult, to an adult film star. In Atlanta, his lawyers will be in court regarding the allegations that the former president was part of a scheme to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results. 
the victim who died in yesterday's shooting following the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade and rally at Union Station has been identified. DJ Lisa Lopez Galvan was killed after the shots were fired at the event. Lopez, who was a host of Taste of Tejano on KKFI Radio, was one of more than 20 people who were shot in that uh, spree. Horrible, horrible thing. Well, looks like Mass Group, uh, you may not have heard of them, but but they're facing a lawsuit that claims it's dating apps, well, now you'll figure who they are, Tinder, Hinge, and The League, are designed to addict users. No. Stop it. Really? You don't say. <laughs> Social media is designed to generate more user interaction and more users? What? what? No. No, not really. No, no. Nah. Well, the six plaintiffs are claiming matches, matches business model is predatory and entices those looking for love to spend hundreds of dollars a year on subscriptions. The lawsuit alleges Match uses features that gamify the platforms and turn users into gamblers in looking for a search in psychological rewards. Well, isn't that what every app does? I mean, does, yep. does the term clickbait ring any bells? No, that's that's exactly what they do. They they are not just. I mean, and then of course they sell your information. That's the other part of, of it. Of course, is, yeah. you, you know people think, oh, I'm just finding me some some uh, one nighters. Well, maybe that's not all you can find. No, <laughs> maybe that's not the only thing you're going to get. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for the update. Five fifty seven here on News Radio ninety two three. Um, this is the probably the weirdest story I saw yesterday. I mean, maybe there's another one, but um, th- this is <laughs> just okay. Here you go. Um, so you've heard of the little blue pill, right? Little blue pill that helps men oh, yeah. have proper function. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Or extra, fu- however you want to describe it. New study shows that, uh, people, men who have been prescribed Viagra and similar PDE5 inhibitor drugs were 18% less likely to develop Alzheimer's over a five-year period. Hmm. Now you're paying attention. Yeah. Now Still you're on. alert. Tell me more. <laughs> uh, 44% lower risk among the group of men who had received 21 to 50 prescriptions in total, it being in the most prescribed here. So if you have a little bit of Viagra, your chances of having Alzheimer's go down 80%. If you have a lot of Viagra, they go down by almost half. Now, the study authors say that they're not convinced that it's causal. It may be correlational. The kind of person who's needing more Viagra is the kind of person who's engaging in more activity, is the kind of person who's healthier, is the kind of per- right? But just, I mean, bare bones, like very bottom shelf person-oriented. I mean, more blood is better, right? I mean, blood flow is blood flow, right? Um, now, one thing that they said is that they're going to do more study. But a researcher not associated with the study says it'll be difficult to do a blind trial with placebos because you will know whether you have been given an actual pick-me-up pill or not. The results are pretty apparent. It'll be hard to sell people on them not getting a placebo. You're listening to News Radio 92.3 WNRP Golf Breeze Milton, Pensacola.